0: Welcome into a new Buff Stampede Radio. I'm Adam Munster-Tiger, the publisher of buffstampede.com. And today I'm going to be catching up with forever buff Tim Lenott Jr., who signed with CU out of Regis Jesuit in 2015 and played in 47 games with the Buffs with 44 starts. Tim, first off, I know that uh, you're getting married soon. Uh, congrats on that. When is the wedding? Next Saturday. <laughs> wow. Okay.
1: Yeah, it's coming quick.
0: Do you have uh, all your ducks in a row or is this going to be kind of a stressful stressful week leading up to the wedding?
1: Well, the fiance took care of a lot of the things that were happening and all the, the planning in the background. Honestly, I'll show you real quick. It's kind of funny, but right here. So in the room, you got all this. She made this little board. So it's like, that's the done side right, right here. Um, the outside obviously is done now. That was everything we had to do in the list. And now it's on the done side after yesterday. So looking um, good. Yeah. yeah, so we're ready. I think we're just trying to, Get done with it now and just have the wedding. Just get ready and get go.
0: You getting married here in Colorado?
1: Yeah. We're going. uh, So we live in Parker right now. We're going to a church in Centennial and then the receptions in like Lone Tree, Lilton area. So down there.
0: Very cool. Do you guys have a honeymoon after the wedding?
1: Yeah. We're actually going to Cabo in June later. Like I think uh, June 20th. Yeah, June 20th.
0: Nice. Well, congrats again on that. Uh, you know, aside from the upcoming wedding, uh, we were chatting a little bit before we started this podcast. You're still training. You're still kind of staying active in football, looking for an opportunity. Kind of tell CU fans that enjoyed watching your journey at CU with what life has been like since you graduated?
1: Oh, you know, it's been a, it's been a roller coaster. I'm not going to lie, especially with everything that happened during COVID. It was uh, weird times, right? I mean, we were... Quarantine for a long time. How to do the whole mask thing for a long time. Just gyms closed, gyms open. You know, back and forth, all that kind of fun stuff. So, um, but yeah, I, I mean, it's been a heck of a ride. Um, you know, in the meantime, I've just been still training. I've been working, doing side jobs. I mean, even after uh, the main draft, I mean, I needed some source of income, so I did work with Peloton a little bit in their sales department and everything, and kind of just delivering treadmills and all kind of fun stuff. So it was like a good little step of. Being like doing physical work um, and making sure that that you're carrying a 300, 400-pound treadmill between two guys. I mean, it's a lot of core brace. I mean, it was great. I mean, it was fun. I met some good guys. But um, in the meantime, I've just been still training and doing whatever I need to go to fields right next to my house, go to Lauren Landau's place, go to just any gym, just kind of just keep training and doing whatever I need to do to stay in shape and stay healthy for um, some opportunity to pop up. How difficult is that if
0: you're not, you know, drafted or signed right out of college? Is it kind of difficult to get eyes on you?
1: Very. I mean, it's it's really difficult. You have to do other things in terms of alternative leagues, the things I was talking about before, like the hub, um, just certain things, just to get your name out there again, right? I mean, um, coming out COVID was obviously a tough year too. That was, I think, some of the smallest amount of signed agents we've seen in how many years. So it was obviously difficult catching on the team, especially not having even an opportunity to do mini camps. So that kind of killed a lot of people. I mean, there's, there's a bunch of guys that I played with um, even trained with that now are obviously they moved on. So they haven't, they're not playing anymore. They're not trained doing anything. Um, it's kind of – it's tough to see. I mean, some of these kids were really good that I played with as well, like other teams, opposing teams, Nebraska, all these other guys, and they didn't even get the opportunity when they should have.
0: Yeah, you just kind of going back to the beginning with you. You're Colorado through and through. You mentioned that uh, you still live in Colorado. You grew up out here. When, when you think back to your childhood growing up in Colorado, what what stands out?
1: You know <laughs> – the I, honestly just the four seasons here i mean that's i love colorado for that reason you can have especially right now we had lovely snow two days ago and then next two days it's gonna be 80 degrees or whatever it so <laughs> kind of get that nice mix it's not constantly cold like you can be in like minnesota or i don't even know other states that are just cold through and through you have cold for six months, hot for another six months, you know, just back and forth. So I do enjoy that about the state. And, you know, the whole reason I stayed at CU was staying close to family and stuff. And especially at that time, I had two younger sisters and I wanted to see them grow up. And I didn't want to miss those opportunities. And it was also nice for family to come up to games, especially when they're home um, and just have that support, you know, just being far enough, but close enough to where it's a drive away.
0: Your father played baseball in college, correct? At Penn State. Is that right? Yep,
1: he did, yeah.
0: And then I, I know you played some baseball as well, even in high school. Mm-hmm. Were you kind of split between the two sports, or as you kept getting bigger? And was it pretty clear that football was the, the path? It one? was
1: it was very clear. I mean, I loved baseball. I had I had some good hits. I mean, obviously, I think I just there came a point in my life I was so when I was training with Harold Hasselbeck, so Taryn's dad. Um, we came to a point where I was missing training opportunities with him due to baseball. And obviously I wanted to make sure that I was prepared because going into it, you know, that baseball, I mean, I loved it, but it wasn't gonna be my main sport in college. It wasn't going to give me an opportunity to play somewhere in college, especially with a scholarship, maybe D2. If I was even that good, I don't even know. But, um, honestly, you know, it comes to a point where you have to focus on one sport, um, I would have loved to play longer, but especially when it breaks into the training of training with Harold and doing these other things outside of in the off season, of football, I guess you could say, then you have to obviously pick one sport and kind of stick with it. Knowing that I obviously had a better chance of going to college with a scholarship instead of baseball with a scholarship. So yeah, I wasn't going to really risk doing that for baseball as much as I love baseball.
0: Do you remember what grade you were in when you started playing football?
1: So I played flag. What age was that? That might have been eight or
0: nine, maybe. I think. Okay. Started. Were you off. out there? What, what position were you playing in, in, in flag football?
1: <laughs> running back. Wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I played running back a little bit, and then especially when the pads came on, I actually went right to tackle and played all the way. I played tackle through high school. I think one year was – I think my freshman year or sophomore year or whatever it was, I played guard, and then the rest of the years out, played tackle. And then college, obviously, guard, center, yeah. From
0: there. Yeah, you were a three-year starter at Regis. Didn't allow a sack your junior season or your senior season. Didn't even allow a quarterback pressure as a junior. That, that's pretty incredible. I'm guessing that you took a lot of pride in, in your consistency there as a high school player.
1: Honestly, I didn't even know I did that. <laughs> You just told me that right now. I had no idea I even did that. So, I I mean, it was more, yeah, I just was representing the school itself and representing myself as well. Um, It it was one of those things where I I did take pride in that. I mean, like I said, my family came to all the games too, and I wanted to make them proud. wanted to make my team proud and represent my team as best as I could. So it was kind of just one of those things I just used as motivation the entire time, just especially having family there. You just want to make sure you do well for them and you don't want to play like crap especially in front of them so
0: yeah and you enjoyed team success as well there as an upperclassman at Regis you guys won league both years won 19 games those two seasons you mentioned uh the fact that your family was there supporting you is there anything else that that stands out any big games or moments that you had at Regis Jesuit
1: I think honestly I mean the funny thing is that we always talk about it to um Mullen so Mullen's always been a Big rival for us. We never lost to them in the years I played there, at least. We – that was always a big game for us. So, it was that. We also had – what's – it was my – I think it was my senior year. I think we played – remember – you remember Frank Guma? Yeah. Yeah, he From played – Heritage, I, yeah. What, yeah, Heritage. Yeah, we played them, I think, for a playoff game. And it was just – it was great. I mean, that was one of the big games too. We needed to win and we knew coming in heritage was a pretty good team. And we just had to go out there. We won it played really good as a team and, you know, moved on. So, I mean, there's a lot of good memories there. It's just the main thing for us, I think was the rivalries though. We, we enjoyed that always having that fun little rivalry between us and Mullen. And when you beat them, obviously it's like beating Nebraska for us. Um, <laughs> so we like to enjoy that and have fun with those. And I think even, I don't know if it was my, Junior or senior year when we were, was it conference, I think? I'm not I'm not exactly sure what the term was back. It's not like college, I don't think, but um you we were conference champs, I think, for that, that yeah. part of the season, I guess. So that was pretty cool too.
0: See so you got your recruitment jump started when they extended a scholarship offer in January of 2014, your junior year at Regis. What do you remember about that moment? Getting your first scholarship offer.
1: Uh you know it's funny i was i think i got out of school and i was going to meet my dad so he worked at the Chili's right next to regis so i came up to him he came in the car with me and i think we're just talking about something because i think the call was planned actually the call was actually planned so he wanted to be along with it and i was on the speaker and i think it was coach mac that called and or it was coach walters or coach mac i think it was coach mac so he called me on the speakerphone, and then he was telling me about, oh, are you are going to offer you a scholarship? And then all of a sudden, my dad just literally cheerfully hit the side of the door, just like an like excitement. So that's one of the main things I remember from that day. And um, right after that, honestly, that's when everything took off in terms of scholarships and all these offers. And it was just kind of jump jumpstart to everything that happened.
0: Yeah, I remember stopping by Regis shortly after that, and Mark Nolan, who is a name that some CU fans will remember because he was the assistant director of recruiting up there in Boulder a few years prior to that. Uh, he was a head coach at Regis when you were there. And I remember he said, This is, this kid's gonna blow up. And, and you know, he was correct. Like you mentioned there, Oregon, Miami, UCLA, Arizona State, Kansas State, Oregon State, Washington State. He had some other non-power five schools too. How, how quickly did it go from that first offer to having all those different options? Was it within a month or so?
1: It was probably within a week. I'm pretty sure it it started, everything started coming. I think it was, if I remember correctly, I don't even know the order of how everyone came, but it was CU, I know Oregon was one of those, I think top three or four that came in after, Um, CSU, Nevada, all these guys. So it kind of blew up and there was also a time in that period I went to a Penn State camp. I think it was the year before actually and in that time, they actually transitioned from, uh, I think it was Bill O'Brien to, who's the new coach There is it Franklin? Yeah, so they they did this thing. So me and two other guys were chosen, like after the camp, they could call us out to go see the facilities and everything and have fun with that and go see. And they told me like, oh, yeah, we're, we have this coming, like an offer. And then all of a sudden, that coaching staff left. And then a new coaching staff came in. So they had me still in their system, but they reached out again, like, Oh, we come out again for um, a visit. If you want to get a scholarship from us, like just kind of see, like, just make sure I'm pretty much approving of moving all the way across the country to go there. And I just was like, I already went there once. I'm not trying to buy another plane ticket, $400 to go out there just to see. it. I, I mean, I did everything I needed to. I went to, I did Maryland Penn state in that time I was out there and, you know, I think more could have came from big 10 if that happened, but it was obviously one of those things where I didn't want to go back out again after I just went out there like a month or two ago. So, <laughs> was- with your
0: with your family history there, with your dad playing baseball at Penn State, had they offered, do you think things might have changed in terms of you picking Penn State?
1: It would have been a big deciding factor, I think, for me. It would have been cool to go out there. I mean, I have a bunch of family on the East Coast. It would have been really cool to play in Penn State, to play in that stadium. I've always. Uh, I watched Penn State ever since I was a kid when Joe Paterno was coaching and we used to have, my dad even has a Joe Paterno little mannequin, a big dude in the in the basement of the house still. So it was kind of cool. I looked up to them, always watched them. I mean, the one game I watched, I think was, I don't know what year it was, but it was when Penn State played Florida State in the Orange Bowl. And I wasn't there, but my dad was there. He was with his friends and stuff. And Uh, I always looked up to Penn State. It was always fun to see them play. And I still do to this day a little bit. I always kind of watch them and see what they do. But it definitely would have been a big deciding factor between CU and Penn State if I wanted to choose between those guys.
0: And I remember you took a trip out to the Pacific Northwest and checked out the Oregon schools as well. Uh, Once that Penn State option wasn't really going to be there anymore. Did you seriously consider going out of state or did you feel like, you know, when the Penn State situation didn't manifest that you were most likely going to stay in state?
1: You know, if Penn State, I mean, it was going to be a factor regardless of maybe if I got it or not, but, um, since I didn't get it, I was, I was deciding between, I think three or four schools. I was thinking about CU. I was thinking about Arizona state. That was, I think my second option, UCLA. And then I think Oregon, Uh, that's kind of the order I was going in, um, coming into this whole situation. And I think that honestly, CU was just a better option in terms of staying closer to home. And then also in that time, that's when they're building the new facilities for us. So that was kind of cool seeing that. And We were talking to Coach Walters when he was there, Coach Mack, and Coach Bernard, all those guys that were still there at the time. And they were talking, yeah, there's going to be – we're on the uprise essentially for our team, and we're we're about to pick up because we have all these good players and everything, and i was like, okay, yeah, that sounds great. And then also you you have to look into depth a little bit when you're considering these schools. You have to look at who's there, how many freshmen, how many sophomores, just younger guys that are there because – you know, you want to present yourself the best opportunity to play when you first come in or at least a year after you come in. So that's kind of one of the big factors you I was looking at when I was considering these schools.
0: You mentioned factors that went into your decision to pick CU. Do you remember the moment when it clicked for you when you decided, okay, this is what I'm going to do?
1: Um, it, I think it just came out of the blue. I was, I, you know, I was just thinking about it all the time. I was – because – you know, eventually come to the point where you have to do signing day and everything. So you had to think about, oh, what what opportunities will this present? And, you know, I think I just was pretty much persuaded by the coaching staff that this is going to be a great opportunity to play here and while, while staying close to home, not being too far away, uh, but being far enough. And, you know, CU is a great college town. CU has a great environment around it. So it sounded just like the best option. I think just one day just I kind of woke up and was like yeah let's do this and i think one of the exciting factors i was talking about was when i committed verbally to coach mac when i was in his office um we talked about number situations so i was 56 in high school i told him i was i asked him so what are the opportunities i can get 56 if i committed here and he's like you have it today if you wanted to and that's when i committed right on the spot that's what did I you
0: asked. did you steal that number from somebody who was wearing fifty six?
1: No, and I the only one I was wearing at the time was Jake Brakey, but he was defense, so it worked out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice, yeah. nice. Uh, so you got your number, and you're coming up to Boulder after having the success that we talked about in high school. What's it like your first summer up in Boulder? That that first fall on campus at the college level.
1: Yeah, it was it was fun. I mean, I was rooming with Steven Montez at the time. We were roommates from freshman, sophomore year. Um, it was it was cool. I mean, not at the time when you first move up there, there's not really anyone up there. It's just the football guys and some of the um, foreign students that are up there. And also, I think eventually you had other sports come up. I don't even know what's maybe soccer. I don't, I don't even know what kind of sports come up there at the time. But had some of those guys so you had the opportunity just to roam campus without having to worry about it being busy on the streets busy anywhere you can just kind of do your own thing and i remember we used to always go to the basketball courts at the rec center whenever they were open and we just go hoop around with all the freshman guys have fun there and eventually um, the older guys came in i think so I, I, is the freshmen come in earlier, I'm pretty sure,
0: right? Yeah, they had the summer bridge program under McIntyre, where I think it was. Yeah, you guys got acclimated for a little while, kind of hung out by yourselves before they they released you into the, the gen pop, I guess. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. So when you have the older guys come, they kind of the older guys kind of greet you like. So for us, we had the O line. Um, we went to uh, some restaurant. I don't know where they have the those little. Yeah, uh, what they call. It? They're like the bacon-wrapped jalapenos or something. Like, I, don't, I forget. It's like the original bar. But we all went there, and we had, like, Stefan Nembot there. We had Alex Kelly. Uh, I think – I don't know if, if Munir was there. Um, all these other – old guys, all these great guys. And they kind of brought us in, kind of made us just hang out with them, kind of get to know them and have fun with them. So – by the time we got in there and were kind of situated, we kind of knew what we are going into and kind of how everything works around in the So, Like most offensive linemen, you read
0: through your first year on campus. Were you, were you doing scout team? What was that, that first fall like?
1: Yeah, I was doing scout team. I was doing a lot of the pretty much repetitions for the ones and kind of making sure that they have the right look, especially on defense. That was kind of difficult at the time. We had a bunch of big guys. We had Tupo. We had Samson. We had all these big dudes. Um, it was, it was fun though. I mean, it it was a good opportunity to kind of develop yourself and kind of get used to the game or the speed of the game. And it was obviously a big jump from high school to college. So it's probably, it was probably the thing that was best for any freshman that red shirts just kind of to get themselves developed and kind of get themselves used to the speed of the game.
0: And that 2015 team, they had a four on nine record, so it doesn't look great on paper, but There were a lot of tough losses that that group suffered that season. A three-point loss to USC, really close road losses at Utah and UCLA that year. Was there a feeling in the program – I know you're redshirting, but you're still in the locker room every day. You're practicing with the guys. Was there a feeling that you guys were pretty close to to turning the corner as a program?
1: I believe so. I mean, when you have close games like that, you really believe that. I mean, if there's just certain plays that – probably develop better certain plays that didn't happen, you would probably win that game, you know, and playing teams like that, USC, Oregon, all these guys, and if you're keeping close to them, gives you a good opportunity and makes you, obviously it makes you believe that you have a chance to beat these guys. You're not any less than these guys. You should be able to beat them. So I think that it definitely created a thing of hope and kind of put a chip on everyone's shoulder for the next year, especially after that season and being close games. So I think that kind of helped the juniors going into senior year kind of help them to be like, it's our last year. We want to put a mark on this program and go from there.
0: We've heard a lot about the leaders on that team going into the 16th season that summer, policing the team and, and really taking ownership of the program. Did, did you sense that as a young guy in the program that, those guys that were going to be seniors, upperclassmen on the roster were, were, were tired of losing it and they were going to do whatever they could.
1: Yeah. I mean, you could, like you said, that whole policing thing, that was pretty strict. I mean, we had a bunch of punishments in the morning that didn't even involve us. It was just, you have certain kids that did things and they'd be confronted by weight coaches, the leaders of the team. And obviously we had to just, we were up at 4am going to a punishment at five and, Doing all these certain things just kind of just to discipline ourselves. I mean, when you have that sense of discipline and you don't mess up as much as you do, that kind of results back into the games, right? I mean, you see, there's sometimes a lack of discipline in games that affect games and can turn them for the worst. So that was our main focus was just being disciplined on and off the field, so that can translate into the games and we don't make mistakes as much as we should, like as much as we can. So um, I think it really helped us in terms of just making sure the the kids, especially that were getting in the most trouble, would not do as much and would be better off in practices and games. Obviously, you had Cepho
0: on that team and and Cheeto on defense as a leader. Who else do you remember really being big leaders that summer and, and throughout that 2016 season?
1: Who else was there? Those obviously are the main guys. But I mean, we had even just little leaders. I mean, we had Alex, Alex was a good leader. Alex Kelly, he was a great leader. Who else was there?
0: Was Was Philip a, a, a leader at that point,
1: or is he? Was he still kind of developing into that? He Philip was still was developing into that, about? but I mean, he, he had his moments, right? He had he had his moments when he did that. He also had oh George Frazier as well. He was he also was kind of a guy that was very disciplined and wanted to make sure that we did the best things we could. Um, you know, I, I feel like there was a lot of guys that were just still in that developing role, right They're They were doing whatever they could to help out. I mean, even in that opportunity, when I was there, I wanted to do whatever I could just to contribute. I wasn't really in that stage, like obviously Sepo or any of those guys, but I wanted to make sure that I can do whatever I could as a freshman to make an impact and kind of just be a role model towards other teammates.
0: Was it a pretty easy path for you to get that starting gig going into 2016? Do you remember if there were any guys you were battling up against that, that preseason camp?
1: Um, I mean, there was a lot. It it was a battle every day, but it's kind of one of those things you can't take for granted, right? You have to go into every day, even if you're beat up, you're tired, you have to just do whatever you can to make an impact on the coaches and keep that starting spot. So it wasn't one of those things. It wasn't really easy because be just hurting especially in fall camps fall camp you had the two days back then too and you'd be exhausted and then you're going right into you fall asleep and next thing you know you're awake feels like you've been sleeping for 10 minutes and you're back into the next day and you're just going constantly for 20 something days to where you're just like oh yeah it just keeps going and just it's non-stop it's just like an ongoing thing you don't and you feel like you can't even see the light so you're probably the last three days of the camp
0: You ended up playing 709 snaps that season, your first year playing at the college level, more than any other player on the team. Obviously, any CU fan listening to this knows you guys won 10 games that year, won the division, go to the conference title game, go to the Alamo Bowl. And then individually, you were a freshman All-American. Did you even possibly surpass your own expectations that season? Uh, Honestly, I
1: just like i said it's just one thing i just wanted to play I just i just played did what i could honestly i didn't even think about the whole award thing at the end of the season like when it came to freshman all-american or anything i just happened to see someone posted about it and i think it was my dad and coach adams and all these other guys they posted on there talking about. me i had no idea it even popped up to someone told me so i was like oh that's that's cool it's really awesome i mean but it wasn't one of the things I really was expecting. I just, I just played and did whatever I could to contribute to the team and made sure that we had the season. We did just contribute to, to a win. So I just wanted what it was best interest for the team and did what I was told and just went with it to the best of my, do goal. you,
0: sorry, do you have, a, no, you're good. Do you have a favorite memory from that 2016 season?
1: There's a lot. Uh, I think it was it had to be the Oregon game because that was that I think that was our spark to getting everything going in 2016. I don't I don't think I think we would have been still good in 16 if we didn't win that game. But if I think since winning that game, especially at Oregon, it was probably one of the biggest moments of school history in terms of turning a program around and seeing where we could actually go as a team. And that kind of gave guys hope and gave them confidence that we could be a team that can go into stadiums, especially like Oregon, big stadiums, and went out.
0: Obviously, the defense is out on the field when they clinch that with Akella Witherspoon's interception. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was your vantage point of that play? And, and uh, who did you celebrate with immediately afterward with?
1: Oh, man, there's was a whole bunch of people. I... I was obviously on the other side, so probably the opposite 30 or 40 yard lines, just to get the best because so many people were crowding that front part of it, especially defense. So I was, when I was watching, I saw that that play and I just, I don't think I can celebrate. I think it was ran on the field, just aimlessly. I was just so high on adrenaline. I just, I had no idea what I was doing, just running out and I think I was, I think, a reporter, I don't even know, it was like some ESPN reporter, some lady. She she told me, she was like, how was your reaction when you were saying, oh, S, S. Like, <laughs> I was like, I didn't even know I did that. That's what I told her. I, I don't think I even knew I did that because I was literally, I was just freaking out because it was the best, one of the best moments watching that game unfold and seeing our team come out on top in Oregon Stadium.
0: Like you mentioned, you're close with your family. Did you have a quite a few supporters in the stadium when later in the season you guys clinched the division beat
1: Utah? Yeah, I had my parents were there. Who else was there? I can't remember who else was there. In terms, I mean, I had a bunch of friends there too. I mean, I have all the pictures from when everyone stormed the field. But that was awesome too. I mean, that was that was great coming out on top of that one and seeing everyone run up on the field and knowing that you just became Pac-12 South champs. I mean, that, that was magical. And so, especially being there, your first, like playing your first year when you didn't, like you, you knew that coming into this, you're like, it might be hard to get some wins or you could be on the rise and we were on the rise. So I think when that happens, you're just like, wow, you picked the right school at the right time and just stayed home and did what you needed to do. And it all came out all good.
0: Obviously, John Snelson did a great job chronicling that season. Have you ever taken a chance to go back and watch that again? Or were you? is it hard as somebody that was a player on that team to do that?
1: No, I could ask someone. But, you know, it's funny. I watched uh, – what was that series? Was it The Rise? Is that the yeah. series? Yep. Yeah. You can still find that, actually, on uh, – what's that one uh, video app? I don't know. I forget what it's called. But you can look it up, and all those episodes are still there.
0: Yeah, so, it's it's definitely on YouTube. I I think it might might have been debuted on a different video platform, but I, I think you can still go on YouTube and, and pull those up.
1: Yeah. So I have. I mean, I, I watched it, I probably the last time I watched it was probably two months ago. Just thinking about it. I was like, that's that's crazy. And then especially at the fact that that's almost six years ago now. And yeah, I mean, it's incredible how fast time goes. And just looking back on it, you just you think about the times where you're exhausted and struggling kind of like you were in like the scout team stuff and just you're like oh when is this gonna end and when's it gonna be done and now you look back and you're just like I miss it you you know you can't you don't recognize how fast time goes until it actually goes past
0: that next season in 2017 you played in the first 10 games of the season and then uh suffered a a ruptured Achilles tendon probably a, a memory you'd like to forget but uh just kind of going back to that Arizona state game, when that happened, did
1: you know it right away that, okay, this is, this is not good. I, I mean, I, I didn't really know what to expect. I mean, the way I remember it is I was blocking someone down the goal line and all of a sudden I fell and I was like one of those turtles in the cartoon where I was on my back, just spinning around from everyone just hitting me and everything. I'm like, I have no clue. You know, it felt like a Charlie, it felt like someone kind of stepped on me with their cleat. I just fell to the ground and, It was pretty painful at first. And then I remember walking off and just kind of just felt like, you know, just the kind of the pains after, after you get stepped on, I was like, I'm probably fine. I walk off and then I go to the trainers and they do this test of me where they essentially like, Oh, do a calf raise. And it felt like my, my foot was in a hole. So I walk over to the left kind of just to see, and make sure I'm not in a hole just kind of down my mind. And do it again, same thing, and then I lay myself on a table on my stomach first, and they put my leg up, squeeze the calf, and there's no response in my foot, and then, you know, that's when you get the news that, oh, I think you uh, ruptured your Achilles, and I was like, oh, man, so, I mean, luckily, you think about it, luckily, it was more towards the end of the season, but same time, I mean, it, it, there's no really good way to look at it. It's just one of those things that happens, freak accident. Of course, it was really non-contact either. And, yeah, so just had to go into there thinking, all right, well, I have next season. And the season after that, just got to come back strong and healthy. And hopefully it doesn't really change too much.
0: Yeah, and you made a, a quick recovery from that. You were full participant by the time the next camps came around. But, you know, that, that's a tough injury to come back from. As you kind of reflect on it now, you know, a number of years later, were you, you know, back to full health or, or you know, was that still kind of in the, the back of your mind as you were getting ready for that,
1: that next season, the 2018 season? It was still in the back of my mind, especially the first couple of games. I could definitely see it. I mean, there was games. I just feel like I couldn't even redirect. I couldn't redirect on that foot. And I even remember one of the big plays I think it was Nebraska when I gave up a sack. I was like, what is this? Cause this, it didn't feel like me. It wasn't one, it was one of those things where I had to rewrite back inside and I couldn't, it just felt like that the muscle wasn't there. wasn't like fast enough to react. And, um, but eventually towards more, I think games six or seven, I kind of felt like myself again. It kind of felt like everything was coming back in place. I was still training on it really hard, especially with the trainers and trying to make sure that it was full strength again. And, you know, even to this day, it's still not, crazy I mean it's it's good it's great now but you still kind of feel that little when you do a cap raise it's not as strong as your left so it's one of those things I think it's it's tough to deal with and it affects you in the long run for sure I mean it's good it's great now but I can definitely feel it when I was coming into the next season I, I wasn't myself and unfortunately but that's just one of those things I wanted to get back and play
0: so you went through the coaching change between your redshirt junior season and, and your last year at CU. And Chris kavalovich took over your group and, and you guys performed pretty darn well in 2019. Was that perhaps the best, just that offensive line group played in terms of you being a part of it at CU?
1: I think it was one of the best coached, I think, in terms of just what we did. And he, he, had, he had a system that, he stuck to the entire time, especially North Carolina. It's it was the same thing he used North Carolina. He used the same technique. He didn't switch up. And you know, it's one of the things I always talk about with the guys about him is we had a bond with him that was was great. We in the meeting room, it wasn't hostile at all. It was it was fun. It was he rewarded us for good work, especially after all the games. You have a good so he doesn't carry bad moods into something that, could, that happened two hours ago you know it's, it was one of those things where he just he was good with his players he knew what to do he stuck with his program and we just enjoyed having him as a coach it was fun I mean, there was fun times and even i don't know if you remember this but he had a, a big storage bin in the front of the offensive line room where he just stuffed snacks every two weeks from costco and that's what we would literally just have those every time. Like, so fall camp before the games, when we're doing our little film session, like the, the Friday before. And it was awesome. It was great. It was, it was just fun to have that. And like guys bonded better. And just like, we feel like we communicated better as a group and we just learned like he, he forced us to be together more, have fun outside of football, work together, train together, learn together. Just, it, it was awesome. I really did appreciate that.
0: We talked about the Oregon win in 2016. Are there any other games that, that stick out when you think back to your time at CU?
1: Uh, Washington State was a good one, too. That was, yeah. The atmosphere in that was awesome. I, I, I still go back to that video of how filled that stadium is, never seeing it that way in years. And then when you see it in action, especially when you're winning, it's insane. I, I think it was that play with Seppo ran it in. And all the offensive line guys, like almost fall, like Sam, Sam Frontage fell on top of them. That was one of the best ones. I, I've never heard stadium that loud, especially at CU And I think that was one of the remembering moments for sure. And going into that, you just like, that's awesome. It was so fun
0: fighting through all those days like you talked about when camp doesn't seem like it's going to end and,
1: and you play over
0: 3000 snaps in, in college football games. You got a degree from CU. What, what did your time up in Boulder do for you in terms of developing you as a person?
1: You know, it, it really did help me in terms of being more outgoing, I think as a person, I mean, going into it, I was, I mean, I still not, not crazy, anymore, but I'm still kind of shy, but way better than what I was. My first walked into there and, it did teach me a lot of lessons about what I wanted to be as I grew up, kind of like just my path in life, finding friends, um, just being, you know, it, it's a, there's a lot to learn from there, but one of the main things is definitely just like learning who you are, what you want to be in life and just going with it? Just have fun doing it. Don't stress too much, especially in school. Just do your best and, Whatever outcome happens, happens. Just believe in it. If
0: you were going to give advice to a player that's set to enroll at CU this summer, what do you think you'd tell them?
1: You know, I would tell them, have fun, but work your tail off. And when you work your tail off, results come, especially when you're playing in college. I mean, it shows when even being a retro freshman, if you work your tail off and show off the coaches and be the best player you could be. It'll show and these coaches will definitely approve of it and you'll get your shot.
0: Obviously the landscape of college football has changed a little bit with name, yeah. image, likeness, a transfer portal, one-time transfer exemption. I'm curious your feelings on that and just kind of the way college football has changed here the last few years since you graduated.
1: It's it's. We always think about the image and likeness. You're just like, you're kidding. <laughs>
0: <laughs> back then, you're like of course
1: that that happens like two years after you leave the program and you're like oh my gosh you literally just missed it and back then yeah you couldn't even get a free thing of food from a, a company down there firehouse whatever it is you couldn't get anything free and then you get screwed by ncaa so it's it's crazy that happens and also the transfer portal that i don't like that as much either that's kind of crazy that you can just do that and just leave it's kind of like coaches it's they just pick up and leave and then these players can do the same so I don't don't know I think it's not it kind of has its pros and cons but especially when players leave from program especially the bigger players and it definitely hurts the program a lot in certain ways and there's nothing really CU or any school can do about it so
0: you still keep in touch with any of your teammates from your time up at CU
1: yeah I keep in touch with a bunch of the guys I mean some of the main guys are the offensive line guys. I still keep in touch even with Steven too. Talked to him recently. Um, who else do I talk to? I actually saw Phil a couple months ago at a restaurant down in Lone Tree, said hi to him and was talking to him for a little bit. But like I said, it's mostly the offensive line guys. You talk to them the most. And but on occasion you see some guys post some stuff on like Instagram or Twitter or something and you comment and talk to them just really just the nice little how you doing chat and uh, how's everything going? We're we doing and go from there. Have you had
0: a chance to make it back up to see you to attend any games since you finished up there?
1: Yeah, I actually went, uh, was it last year? Yeah, I went, actually, yeah, it was the Oregon, Oregon State game. Oh, you you caught a good one then. Yeah, yeah. I was watching that one and I said hi to Sam too. Uh, he's coming to the wedding as well. <laughs> so That's awesome. Good. Yeah, but I keep in touch with those guys. I mean, it's great staying, being able to stay in touch with those kind of guys and just, but it was fun. It was, it's it's definitely weird being on the sideline and watching from the stands, but same time it's, I mean, it's bound to happen anyway. You're not in college forever. So it's kind of one of those things you just got to be look at it. I I was here for four years. I had my fun, had my time, but I do miss it for sure.
0: Awesome, Tim. Well, I really enjoyed, I mean, even back when you were Regis, you know, a lot of kids start getting these offers, they get a big ego. You always seem to kind of have a level head. I've always respected uh, the way you went about your business, enjoyed covering you at CU as well. It was great kind of reminiscing here anytime to get a chance to chat about 2016. It's great. And so I really appreciate you. A busy time in your life with the wedding coming up to uh, you know, carve out a little bit of time here to, to chat with me. And I'm sure CU fans that uh, are listening to it uh, enjoyed it as well. I appreciate your time too. Thank you very much. Awesome. And thanks to all of you for tuning in.